to add that all the fees from table registration will go towards uh, helping a friend of the swap out, Anthony Saya. Anthony uh, was a vendor at the first three swaps, two swaps, I'm trying to remember. Um, he lived in Moscow. He was really involved with KUOI. Um, just an awesome dude. And sadly, this year, he was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Mm. And so uh, he is he's a gentleman in his late 30s and he's got two kids and a wife and he's a hardworking guy. So we want to help him out. What's up, OSP fans? We are back. After our brief hiatus, we are here to bring you our conversation with our friend Will Thompson. We're going to chat all about things, the crazy swap. Um, This is an event that Will does annually, which of course was waylaid last year because of COVID, Um, but it's back. So you might recognize Will from a previous episode where we discussed uh, that event. Um, The swap is all things that encompass pop culture and collectibles. Uh, This year, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, It's going to be outdoor and it's going to be piggybacked with another event. So definitely stick around to uh, hear about what what changes there will be, how you can get involved, um, how you can get a space, and then also be sure to read Will's column, Cult Corner, which you can find every month in the Inland 360. More on that in this week's episode. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome, Will Thompson. Will Thompson, you uh, you do a lot. Your main your main gig is a teacher at Jennifer Middle School. That's no what pays, yeah, that's what pays the bills. <laughs> but you also run the swap and have a column in the Inland Three Hundred and Sixty. So thanks for coming on Old Spiral Podcast for the third time. Third time is there an, is there an award? Do I like get a T-shirt or a plaque? We'll start some frequent flyer. Yeah, yeah. You get a punch card. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yes. Good for free coffee. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing, Will? Oh man, we're we're hitting the end of a a long and challenging school year. But yeah. uh, in Lewiston, we only have a few days left, and uh, I'm very excited for the summer and get rested up. So yeah, nice. that's great. I'm sure the kids are equally as excited. Of course, probably more so uh, this year than ever. <laughs> yes, I can confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we understand you have an event coming up. Um, we talked about this last year um, when you were getting ready to host the swap. But uh, for those that don't remember or weren't able to attend because it didn't get to happen, right? Because right. Yeah, it didn't even happen. We did a whole episode. And- <laughs> yep. why, why don't you tell us what the swap is and uh, how people can check it out? So uh, the swap is a an event where local folks can come and buy and sell pop culture collectibles of all kinds. Um, we rent uh, vendor spaces and it's open to anything from vinyl records to comics, toys, video games, anime and manga, um, even, you know, certain types of books, all kinds of stuff. And the first we've had three of them, we would have had, the fourth last year. Um, but of course I got canceled and, 
Um, this year I looked at doing one, but with the res- with the current state of things, when I was looking at doing it in April, it really just didn't make sense. And then a couple weeks ago, um, Mindy at Art Uncorked uh, got a hold of me and said, hey, what if we did uh, kind of a piggyback event? And so we're calling it the Crazy Swap. It's going to be June 12th from 10 to 3 in downtown Lewiston. And the Crazy Swap section is going it's part of the Crazy Days event. So I didn't live here, even though I've lived in the Valley for almost 19 years. I didn't live here back when Crazy Days was going, but I, I've been told about it. And it was like vendors had people who would, uh, or sorry, the stores downtown would like put maybe like tables and things out with huge discounts and like store owners would dress up in costume and things. And it was just a really big fun event. And for whatever reason, years ago, they stopped doing it. So they're bringing it back. Beautiful downtown Lewiston's putting that together with participating businesses. And the crazy swap section is going to be down near town square, um, which is where um, Brock's is and art uncorked is in there as well. And uh, it's the, that, that big anchor building that's down, Oh shoot! I should know what that intersection is, right down the hill from Pioneer Park. Right, yeah, that's that, <laughs> yeah, like a, basically a block a block south of the library. Right. Um, and um, we're just we're gonna set up outside. Every vendor is gonna have a little ten by ten area. Bring your own tables and um, like a canopy if you want one. And we'll be swapping just like we always do. So the vendors will be out and. Um, the if if someone i'll just get this out of the way too if someone's interested in registering uh that info is on our facebook page uh the the swap page on facebook which i'll give you guys the link and you can post it which will then take you to um the register the actual registration page Mm -hmm. which um, mindy is handling the registrations on this one and i would like to add that all the fees from table registration will go towards uh, helping a friend of the swap out, Anthony Saya. Anthony uh, was a vendor at the first three swaps, two swaps, I'm trying to remember. Um, he lived in Moscow. He was really involved with KUOI, um, just an awesome dude. And sadly this year, he was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Mm. And so uh, he is, he's a gentleman in his late thirties and he's got two kids and a wife and he's a hardworking guy. So we want to help him out. Absolutely. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I'm, and, and he was a good friend of mine. So uh, it's, it's particularly exciting to me that we're going to be able to, to help his family out a little bit. Yeah. Of so course. yeah, it's, it's, it's in short, I know that was kind of an extra long explanation, but in short, it's similar to what we normally do over at the brewery. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just going to be in June. We're going to be outside and, um, same kind of deal. That's cool. Yeah. And, you know, obviously everybody can relate to pop culture in some way, but now you have even more ammo to go because you want to go help somebody out. That's, that's really cool. So hopefully people go and participate and set up their own little booth. What's, what's availability for tables? Like, is it getting pretty full or, you know, uh, we still have room mm-hmm. and, uh, but it does, you know, I'm not exactly sure what our table 
limit is offhand. Mm -hmm. I would have to touch base with Mindy. Um, but I do know we have room for other folks. And if anybody is is concerned about space, they can certainly get a hold of myself or Mindy mm-hmm. um, to ask us any questions about space. Get you a quick shade for your vinyls <laughs> so they don't melt. Yeah, yeah, that'll be, you know, hopefully the, the cooler temps hold through most of June. I would really be appreciative yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I've, I've got a shade I'll, I'll have up. I will definitely not have records and uh, VHS tapes sitting in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed uh, along with the last um, advertisement for the swap that never happened. So I guess you've done three and a half swaps. You went through all the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you went through all the trouble of organizing it, but it, it never happened. So we'll call it three and a half. All um, right. <laughs> but they're really neat looking uh, posters. Who does the art for those? That is my good friend Trevor Nesbitt. Okay, he, he did is... the last one too. Yep he's he's done them all. Um, wait, now I'm sorry. Are you referring to just the one like the previous years or this year's? Uh, all of them. All of them. So. So I have to give partial cre- or half credit this year. So the main swap logo was done by Trevor. And that was the look because it was, I we did call it comic book and record swap, but that's just a horrible thing to have to get people to remember and say it at once. Well, and like the um, swap so I, just encompasses more, I feel like too, other than yeah, just comic I, books and records. Exactly. I, I didn't want people to think, oh, I, I can't be a vendor at this event or I'm not going to go to this event because I'm not into either of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we, we opened it up and I mean, we had, gosh, we had a toy, a toy vendor uh, that, that uh, last third year he had, he rented out three tables and they were packed. Um, and, and I really wanted, I mean, you know, there's so many unique things to collect. I don't want someone to feel apprehensive or like they wouldn't, fit in because there's any number of things that I'm probably not even able to list or think of off the top of my head that I would be like, yes, absolutely. Please come. You know, like if someone was like, I have a collection of old movie posters and concert posters, I would be like, one, you need to let me come over and look at that first. And then two, (laughs) yes, you also uh, are very welcome at the event, you know, because I just don't want to be stuck to a list, but yeah, I, the swap is, is much better on any number of levels, maybe a bit too general, but I can only, I I thought about even calling it the pop swap. And then I was like, that's going places and I'm going to have to answer questions that I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really neat how, you know, there is a lot of stuff and I'm sure there's a lot of people in town who collect neat stuff and maybe have more than enough and the surrounding area. Like you said, Anthony there, he's from Moscow and I'm sure you get, other people that come down from the Palouse and elsewhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I really, really like the idea of this crazy days thing. I, I guess, uh, must've been before, before our time. Yeah. I don't know so when I, they stopped doing it, but I, I don't, don't remember, remember that, uh-uh. but it sounds awesome. I mean, just sounds like a fun time. Go walk around downtown and check everything out. Um, that's that's really cool. I I think de- definitely Brian and I will be there. Yeah, hopefully. I don't see why I wouldn't be. Yeah, that's cool. So what do you what do you have your eye on this year? Hopefully, uh, what are you hoping that comes into the swap? Are you looking to collect something yourself or? Um, 
so during COVID, I picked up two new habits or, or two new <laughs> things to collect for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Cause I had, I had found that, you know, in the few years that I have done the swap, um, I started out primarily because I wanted to have an outlet to buy and sell records with other people mm-hmm. locally. Uh, and then that grew and I've got a decent sized record collection at this point. And so um, I've also noticed that vinyl is just even more popular. Like I, I used to be able to go to Goodwill and, salvation army and stuff and come away with one or two cool things right uh fairly regularly and at this point i'll almost just kind of glance at them Mm -hmm. and go okay that's the same 50 records i dig through every time you know it's herb 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 albert the tijuana brass and uh oh yeah what's neil diamond yeah yeah oh neil neil diamond tends to be a pretty good find yeah you know it's there's Uh, just an abundance is all i'm saying there's a lot of it (laughs) There's so yeah, it's all it's all of like the the kitschy like '60s pop that has not, for my money, has not aged well. That's very much more of its time, and then it's a lot of what what I'm told is called beautiful music, <laughs> and it tends to be a lot of that stuff that's very string based. So we're talking like um, I think that would be kind of along the lines of I, was, I don't think well some of like the big not ma- even big band like the orchestrated stuff. Mm. Uh, like Lawrence Welk type things. Sure. Um, that stuff was, I mean, before rock and roll. And I mean, that was what was popular. Mm-hmm. And all right, well, and even during rock and roll too, because, you know, rock was the young kids and the beautiful yeah, that music was, was That was parents. the foil. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, uh, so it's a lot of dime store over country. Over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tons of just random mm-hmm. country albums that, you know, maybe some of them are good, but there's too many to dig through. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely get weary digging. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of a guy named a fan of a guy named Lee Hazelwood who fits in that genre a little bit. But um, I've I've heard him called the Quaalude Cowboy. <laughs> I'm in. He's, I gotta listen to and, it and if, now. And if if you if you see a pit, like if you can look him up right now, you should. Um, cause he's, he's got these big eyes and, and kind of the seventies mop top and this big handlebar mustache. And he has a, a great baritone voice. That's not quite as, as deep as Johnny Cash's and his stuff's fantastic. He got real big. He worked with Dwayne Eddy at first, mm. uh, in Arizona and helped him get the, the big twangy sound and did some other producing. And then he was kind of spinning his wheels and trying to figure out what to do next. And I don't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, Frank Sinatra tapped him to work with Nancy. Hmm. Um, and so Lee Hazelwood is, is the, one of the co-writers of, of these boots were made for walking and like <laughs> all Crazy. of Nancy's big songs. And they, they did a couple albums together that are fantastic. But huh. anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm way off the beat. Find path, that always, and more at the crazy days swap. <laughs> boy, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. If I, so if I could find a Lee Hazelwood album, that'd be super cool. But that's what I'm always hoping. Whenever I hit a pocket of that old country stuff, yeah, I'm always like, that's, that's, I, I just think about Lee's giant mustache grinning back at me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it through this bin just in case he's there. And I've, I've only ever found one once. And actually the last one I found in the wild was at 
the last swap. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> Every, he, uh, everything else. We just looked up. I'm, we looked uh, up yeah. a picture of him. It's that guy. He uh, he did some Velvet Morning with her too. He did. Which yeah. is a what an excellent song. Yeah, that and that whole album, the the Nancy and Lee album is <laughs> tremendous. I love that album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I know who we're talking about. He looks yeah. perfect. Can I brag? Can I brag a little bit about one of my favorite Goodwill scores? Yeah. I found a copy, an original copy of Electric Mud uh, by Muddy Waters there. Uh, oh my god! In town, I was wow. I was pretty stoked. That was that's I think my favorite Goodwill score. That and I found uh, Substance by Joy Division. That was pretty cool too. Wow! But that's. I yeah, it's hard to imagine that happening. I mean, I know that good scores still happen, but well, and I want to know like who who donated that? <laughs> like, where are you at? We should hang because you probably have good taste in other stuff too. But <laughs> or maybe you died, and that's why this is here now. But that's you know what that is always. I know that's so, it's it's both self-aggrandizing and totally morbid. But anytime I find something cool in a thrift store like that, that like, you know, because there's a kind of stuff that the people who like curate their collections know what it's worth. So there's no way they would ever just donate that stuff. Right. But for whatever reason, I always so I always tell myself, I'm like, oh, man, this person clearly died too young. But man, I'm going to care. I'm going to carry your memory on. Even though your mom like cleaned out your apartment and just donated this stuff because she couldn't deal with it at the time, I don't, it's so I feel like an idiot even saying it out loud, out, out loud. But I kind of tell myself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry your memory on, whoever you are. You're not, you're not lost. Oh, the power of music. Uh. Yeah. So no, I think you asked me what what I'm hoping to find. Um, yeah. Because vinyl is so much harder to acquire in thrift stores at this point. And even antique stores seem to know that people will pay really more than it's kind of worth, uh, at least to people who know the pricing on things, generally speaking. Um, I started collecting VHS tapes, mm-hmm. um, which for me, I was born in 1983. That's a definitely a nostalgia trip for me. Oh, 100%. And I remember yes. when they first started coming out with Coming Soon on VHS and DVD. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, and when the, DVDs the previews are out, all on those yeah. tapes, man. Oh yeah, came out, and yeah. that I just thought like, this is it. This is the pinnacle. It can never get more t- technologically savvy well, what, than a DVD. What more technology do you need than the combo VHS DVD player? Yeah, like literally, I thought like, holy shit, what am I living through right now? This is insane. <laughs> Bonus features, and then, and then the and then the commercials. Yeah, on the next, you know, the the Blu-ray format and <laughs> right, yeah, four right. times the definition, that five point one theater quality sound, oh, and yeah. the, the anti-pirating commercials as well. Oh yeah, yeah. You fast forward through the anti-pirating. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So what what uh, what are you being collecting like VHS wise? Kind of everything, or is it specific to a genre, specific to a period? Um, it. Oh. I, in terms of genre, the most of what I, I, my largest genre is horror and that's very intentional. Nice. Um, and those are definitely harder to come by Mm -hmm. because I, and and I've noticed that too, because the other thing that I, I started picking up recently is, um, horror paperbacks, particularly from the seventies through like the early nineties. 
um, because that was when they just had the gnarliest cover art. I was just like, a say, lot of, yeah, a lot of buying those for me is that artwork. Yeah. Not that I don't want to read them, um, but yeah, uh, they're they're so cool. There's a really cool book called Paperbacks from Hell, mm-hmm. written by an author named uh, Grady Hendrix, who I highly recommend to anyone who enjoys um, horror novels, particularly kind of in the Stephen King vein. He's Grady Hendrix is fantastic. Um, but this paperbacks from hell is kind of a, this really funny breezy overview of that era of horror, uh, and, you know, highlights artists and tons of covers to look at. It's great. And so that was kind of what got me going on it. Um, and those are, those are hard to find too. And so, yeah, I've, I've quite a few horror tapes and I've done some trading and buying online. And then in terms of the other stuff I pick up, I just look for, um, I look for movies that are really specific to the era um, and not, and I don't necessarily mean the most popular stuff. Cause like Jurassic park, Terminator two Titanic, Jerry Maguire, lethal weapon, like those movies, <laughs> I could have a million copies of those by now Speed. if I wanted them <laughs> speed. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. So I really look for cult movies Um from all decades uh horror movies from pretty much any decade and um what else is specific to the era uh, i mean like adam's family um tank girl um gosh i'm looking at my shelves trying to figure it out sometimes i buy star trek episodes if i can find them especially like the original series because they don't have all the digital uh you know touch-ups that the stuff like if you stream them online that they have Mm -hmm. um and i also like i have a bunch of one day i went to saint vince saint vincent de paul and clarkston and i got 40 was it 48 or 42 one of the two i paid 10 cents each for like 48 star trek the next generation tapes nice yeah so yeah how, how did they sell those back in the day or was that like to syndicate did, did was that something that like would come from like a kley w let's say or or why would somebody have 48 of those um they released the entire series and i believe they did it with the original series too let me grab one because i've got the info on it it was like a it wasn't columbia house but it's like a um oh, it's just paramount home video yeah i almost i don't really know how they sold them but um they're in these really nice um larger um cardboard cases but that have a plastic intersection to hold the tapes they're really cool sounds to me i know lots of people look at me like oh my god what are you doing it's like no that's that and that's kind of a a rule of thumb the bigger the case the better on Mm -hmm. uh on tapes (laughs) yeah i remember those giant plastic cases they would come with sometimes and Mm-hmm. clamshell yeah. yeah and they would get i don't know some of them would wear out pretty good kind of crumble i mean the, mm-hmm. the big one for me growing up was sandlot i think i wore that one out mm-hmm. uh, and Absolutely. then i believe I, st- I still have a vhs sandlot but i think i still i have a couple of old uh ren and stimpy nice nickelodeon tapes and that was probably on the oh. orange yeah the orange, orange cassette yep, the orange cassette which yeah. for me was like instantly like oh mom and dad we have to have this because it's orange right of course yeah 
have you have you guys watched uh the orange years the documentary on nickelodeon in the no. 90s what's it uh, it's on it's on hulu okay. um and that's actually something they specifically mentioned in that that there was a there was the the lady who was the head of I don't remember what her title was, but she was the one who oversaw all the merchandising. And she had this very specific vision for how things would go. And um, that was part of it was <laughs> that, oh, look at all these black tapes just sitting around, you know, they just, they, they, nothing, they don't stand out from each other was what was her thinking. And she's like, our tapes are going to be orange. I, I had the same reaction. I was a huge Ren and Stimpy fan. And I still remember the first time I opened my tape and i was just like they're orange are you kidding me <laughs> yeah those are and that's actually another thing that's that's a good a good thing to mention too in terms of um what the kind of stuff that that i look for or other collectors tend to you know any type of it, disney tapes aside i in my column i wrote about tapes and pe- there's this myth that disney tapes are worth a lot and there are some that are valuable to certain people but the reasons they're valuable is so specific. We're talking like people who know which transfer or, or version of the movie it was used right before this was restored or these colors were touched up or this and that. And it's so specific for those people. It's not like, you know, oh, the Little Mermaid cover with the uh, penis uh, <laughs> sandcastle spire. Right. Like that. that's like like maximum that's a $10 tape, you know, and, and there's just because a handful, you know, a few years, you know, a number of years ago, you know, some person or a handful of people put a few Disney tapes and then probably bid them up themselves or duped someone into paying a few grand for the, you know, Oh, it's the, it's the black diamond classics Disney set. Like there are gazillions of things. At thrift stores, the money, I mean, I'm not saying the collectability isn't in Disney. I mean, I've even got a handful of just ones that I want to have because they remind me of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Disney movies are, are generally speaking, but like Nickelodeon, absolutely. Like if someone walked up to me and was like, do you want these adventures of Pete and Pete tapes? Oh my God, I've I would, been watching I Pete would pro- Pete lately so much yeah i would probably just burst into tears because i'd be so excited like the one you know i've moved a lot and like the one of the things that got away from me and all my moves was i had a a blank tape that i had recorded episodes of of pete and pete during a (laughs) marathon called pete stock 95 and like i like and and i mean i would i like edited the commercials out i did it (laughs) watching them and i thought i knew where it was and i went to look and it wasn't there and i was just like crushed yeah you know what though i actually just remembered there might be another box that's in i might find that tonight (laughs) i could it's it's unlikely but possible yeah. We, we will fill in listeners on whether or not you find the tape once we, we learn yeah, the I'll, results. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a text. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that would be cool. And then also, are you afraid of the dark? Oh, that would be, be cool. Neat. Yeah. Um, yep. I like to salute your shorts back in the day. And then, of course, like we talked about Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. I remember putting on Ren and Stimpy and like my parents didn't say like, you can't watch this. But you could definitely tell they did not like me to watch it. The uh, two tapes that I had were definitely the lighter side of Ren and Stimpy 
mm-hmm. some Mr. Toastman, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Log. Yep, the classics. Um, right, but Ren and Stimpy gets dark, and I never had any of those. And just incredibly bizarre. Right. Which, well, they were bizarre, don't get me wrong. Right. <laughs> but that's what made them that was That was always what I loved about it. I mean, I just... And they kind of talk about this in the in the Orange Years documentary, but it's just, I don't know, for for a network to make entertainment for kids that was like, that wasn't just so completely sanitized and yeah. trying to sort of condition them to conform. You know, you look at it, even like the sitcom, because my kids will watch stuff that's on Nickelodeon now via Netflix. And there's a show like uh, Harvey, Harvey Danger. Or something like that. I know I, I always get confused. I'm like, wait, isn't that that Portland band? But it's like <laughs> Harvey Danger or something. Or even shows like iCarly. Like I've seen a few episodes of iCarly, and I was like, wow, this is this is decent. But I to me, what's missing is is like Nickelodeon in the '90s was not aimed at making kids feel cool. It was aimed at making kids feel good about who they were. And I think they did that by showing things that were just hyper specific you know what i mean like ren and stimpy and doug and rugrats are so different like i cannot imagine a ceo being pitched those three shows or the equivalent of those three shows today and going yes that's it because those shows don't fit together Mm -hmm. right program them together Mm -hmm. you you would have a hard time aiming them at all even the same audience right like ren and stimpy ended up getting shown on MTV and stuff like that too, mm-hmm. along with Beavis and Butthead. And it's just, I think it's amazing to me that, I mean, and, and, and it happened because they were this fledgling network, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't just like, it wasn't like Disney goes, you know what? Gloves are off. We're going to do some cool stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, it's these people, they were trying to make a name for themselves. So they had to take risks, but yeah, it just, it was so unique. And they, and it yeah. was, it, you know, and looking at even something like Clarissa explains it all. Like mm-hmm. I, my, my wife and kids will watch Sabrina, the teenage witch, and it still doesn't register with me. I'm like, that's Clarissa. <laughs> it and, is. I'm, and I still have that, like that kid crush on her. Like she's just <laughs> the coolest person. We tried she's to so watch. Awesome tried to watch some of those with my three-year-old and she's just not quite there yet but she'll watch rugrats and uh i can't wait till she's old enough for doug and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff but we're we're trying to get her into it and and you can get them now like you can watch them all over the place but like the thing that i thought was so cool about those shows too like you were saying like they're unique in what they did but they're also like not making you feel like the only thing that i can watch is stuff that is approachable like it wasn't dumb it was like smarter humor for for kids and that's like what i always appreciated about it and like thought what separated it from like the cartoon networks or the like you said the disney shows it was like oh this is actually funny because like you said i can relate this to my life in certain ways as a kid specifically yeah well and and too because it was like they were because it was so specific they were showing you the kid the kids as characters as they were Mm -hmm. it wasn't some kind of ideal you know what i mean like yes adventures of pete and pete is exaggerated yes clarissa's maybe a little too smart for her age but you could look at them and go oh these are these kids and they're being themselves Mm -hmm. you know when i when i watch and i watched saved by the bell back then too 
But I look at that show and I, I am not big on really corny, campy humor. So like nostalgia for shows like Saved by the Bell and Full House is just lost on me. I'm like, how can anyone watch this at this yep. point? It's not my taste. You know, I'm like, you enjoy it. Go for it. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's what's so cool. It's just like, no, these are these, you know, it's, it's very inviting because it's unassuming. It's just like, here's these characters and they're going to do what they're going to do. Whereas like, here's Zach Morris. Zach is impossibly cool and has an amazing <laughs> hair flip. And here's AZ Slater. His biceps are that size because they are, you know what I mean? It's just like, they never, they didn't feel real. They felt like they were playing on stereotypes and there's certainly a place for that. But mm-hmm. you know, I just, there's, there's never been anything before or since for me that hit quite a, quite like that, uh, that 90s Nickelodeon stuff. No, yeah. yeah. Agreed. I really liked the Boy Meets World. I don't think that was Nickelodeon. It came a little after, I think. I think yeah, that was that was, that was, AB, that was ABC, ABC or something like that. Yeah, but it was kind of along those the, same lines where I don't know. It was a little more real, less worked up. Yeah. 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 I th- well, and it seemed like it kind of dealt with some of the anxieties of that age, you right. know, because Cor- Corey was the main kid's name, right? Yeah. Yeah, Corey, he, he's kind of neurotic. Oh, yeah. You know? Definitely. And, but it showed real he, scenarios, you know. And mm-hmm. it's a TV show, so they weren't mm-hmm. perfect, but... I always yeah. equated it to being like the kids' version of Friends yeah, <laughs> for maybe. that time period. <laughs> I could see that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned a little while ago that you were, you wrote up VHSs in an article. What was that for? So I have a, a monthly column in Inland 360 that comes out in the Tribune, Lewiston Tribune, every Thursday, and also the Moscow Pullman Daily News. Uh, and it's called Cult Corner. And when it started, I just wanted an outlet to write about the things that I just sort of tend to obsess over for a while in my brain and uh, share my opinions with people. <laughs> But, but not in a, in an I'm superior sense, but just, you know, a lot of the things that I think are cool, you tend to have to spend time with, uh, they're not always immediately accessible. Um, and that, that's not me trying to say I'm smart. That's just me trying to say that's the stuff I like. <laughs> and, but it, it gets lonely, uh, liking that kind of stuff. And it always bums me out when other people are like, oh, that's weird or, or, you know, they're, they're just dismissive of it because it's not accessible. It's like, oh, you just, you, you know, when, when you have that friend or that cool uncle who's like, oh, you should check this band out, right? Like that person who can say, hey, this is cool. Here's why. I think it can be an easier gateway into some of that more oddball or seemingly inaccessible stuff. And that was the idea behind uh, writing the column. I did my first, the first column was about the, um, the Hellboy reboot that uh, Neil Marshall directed a couple years ago that starred, um, oh shoot, the guy, I can't remember his name. He plays Hopper in uh, Stranger oh, Things. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, and it got a lot of bad press to begin with because Ron Perlman was very beloved for his Hellboy portrayal. And, and you know, Guillermo del Toro was very tied to the character because he directed the first two movies 
And don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect movie, but I watched it and I was like, wait, that was a ton of fun. And people just ragged on this thing. <laughs> and so that was my first one. And I've gone from there and I've I've written about collectibles and movie genres and well and um, some stuff closer to home too i noticed that you've got one on that kmok rock to riches and the arcade in clarkston hey everyone just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our new patreon account that's right osp fans you can now directly help us fund this show and get access to exclusive content for more information and to learn how you can support the show, head to patreon.com slash old spiral podcast. Now back to the show. Well, so the KMOK article was actually like, I actually researched that and interviewed people and that was technically speaking an actual article mm-hmm. um at least at least they paid me as if, as if it was and it didn't say commentary on it right my article usually says commentary but yeah so the um thanks to you guys reminding me with your episode when you talked to bob thorson um i had forgotten i had a copy of that album and i finally pulled it out and i was like wow this is, this is pretty fun there's some really cool songs on this and uh, I got back in touch with Bob, which was really awesome because I hadn't talked to him in so long. And that just did my heart good. Um, and he put me in touch with a few other people. Um, and uh, let, let me think who I talked to. The, the main person that I spoke with who um, – Actually, Mike Feeney put me in touch with, who you guys still definitely got to sit down with Mike sometime. We uh, we called Mike one time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you've talked to him. Yeah. Oh, I haven't been I haven't been following closely enough. I got to listen to that. Well, we haven't had him on the podcast. I don't think he's yeah. interested in coming on the podcast, but we did talk to him a little bit about oh. some stuff and uh, some advice on on the direction for the Casey's episode that uh, hopefully is forthcoming. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, and if I, if I can help with that, let me know too. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, Mike, Mike and Bob helped me get in touch with Steve McKelvey and Steve McKelvey, uh, is the guy who was the station, the first station manager at KMOK. Right. And, um, I talked to a handful of people who played on it, including Bob. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really neat to learn that full story. There, there's some great details in there that, I never would have known. And the other thing I actually didn't know. So KMOK went on the air in 82. Sounds right. I really should. I really should have the art read the article for this. Um, well, the year and, that and released, rate, I think was 83, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. It, okay. So yeah. So it was like late 82. I think it went on the air and, um, Steve McKelvey's dad owned KRLC at the time and like six months into KMOK being on the air, his dad put things in motion to sell the station to the Proshals who owned it up until very recently, two or three months ago Mm -hmm. where Lee and Angie McVeigh purchased it, who owned cozy, Mm -hmm. Um, which a little shout out to them. I'm very excited that they own that keep it up lee and angie um happy to know those guys we're we're lucky to have media folks like them in town um yeah, they are. absolutely and and i'm not saying that just because they've 
sponsored my swaps before i've worked with lee on the rocket on the river committee and that's always been a pleasure so um yeah the the Proshals were going to buy it and it just sounded like you know the the direction they were going to take things was a little different so um most radio as we know it is formatted right so you're going to get the playlists from kind of on high wherever that is mm-hmm. you have to play certain songs so many times every few hours and it's much more structured and what steve mckelvey did he he hired he actually um he went out and sought regional djs out who were known for being really good and says look you don't want to work in this formatted rock station where you got to play the same songs over and over and over do you want to come like curate what you're going to put on the radio. And he and Mike Feeney sat down and wrote questions to test the DJs to see how well they (laughs) knew music uh, when they interviewed them. And they actually had some folks and, and I don't really know the names of these folks offhand or anything, but people who I'm told were really kind of big catches to come to this area. And so they would get to, you know, you, you would have these DJs who just had decades of music knowledge and experience and would curate what they were going to play. Um, and sadly, the Proshals, or not sadly, depending on, depending on which side of the dollar bill you're on. Um, <laughs> but we lost that uh, very quickly because I believe, I believe, I, I haven't talked to anyone on the Proshals side of this because Steve left pretty quickly after, but they... Uh, they put it into a more formatted station. And and then in the early nineties, they were still playing Nirvana, but then they were also playing Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, I'm, I'm kind of taking that actually from a Tribune article. Cause I went on the Tribune and just searched like KMOK, Steve McKelvey. And I found a handful of articles and things. And when um, KRL, was it K- Yeah. It was like when KRLC was reformatting, they talk about, you know, it's kind of a lot for our listeners to hear Nirvana and Celine Dion in the same hour. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I guess it is. You know, why not ask yeah. ask ask a bit more of your listeners though? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had a freeform radio station here, rock station here once, which just is just my God, that's what a dream come true for someone like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, that's really you know. cool. And we still have the was it uh Oh, I don't remember the the LCSE radio station. Yeah, it's that something is cool. similar. I mean, you're not getting people with decades of music knowledge putting the songs out, but every once in a while, I'll turn it on and be like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear. I mean, it is technically. I mean, other than when student DJs are on, you know, it's a computer playing whatever indie rock stuff is being piped to them from whatever service they subscribe to. Mm-hmm. However, I, I, I enjoyed just getting a chance to hear whatever, whatever's being called college rock or alt rock today, even if, you know, I'm out of that, but <laughs> I'm out of following that closely. At it's this still point more anyway. interesting music than most of what's on the radio. Right. Um, and while, yeah. we're, while we're on the uh, topic of LCSC, uh, shout out to Rhett Diesner. Congratulations on a long, uh, on a long career. I, I heard he just retired. So congratulations he did. to him. I, I will, I will second that. I'll make sure to tell him uh, that you said that too. Cool. I will see him on Sunday. Awesome. 
Very good. Yeah. So in terms of who comes to the swap, what are we talking here? Is it a lot of people that are just maybe getting into their collections? Are there a lot of people that are already kind of on the level that are super specific about what they like, and what they don't like? Um, what's, what's the mix there generally? Um, it's generally both in my experience, you know, I mean, I've had those conversations where people are like, oh, I'm just kind of getting into this. What do you recommend? Or, you know, they're just, I, I think a lot of vinyl buyers get into vinyl and are often looking for a lot of those like sixties and seventies and eighties rock staples, you mm -hmm. know? So someone will be like, do you have uh Sabbath Floyd, um, Fleetwood Mac, that kind of stuff. And, you know, and then you can say, yes, I do. Or I don't have that, but have you heard this? Which those are like, that's, that's just the Lord's work, whether, <laughs> it, you know, and that's not just me. I mean, those conversations in general are just like the best things ever. And for my money. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of everyone in between. I mean, I've, I've got a friend who, you know, hardly, but he's got a hyper specific list of records he looks for because he used to run a record store in Olympia. Mm -hmm. So he either owns or has owned most of what he could have ever wanted to right. <laughs> or had access to, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's all over the place. I mean, everybody's welcome. I've never, you know, and if anybody is concerned about kind of, you know, any kind of like gatekeepery stuff, you know, you know, showing up and being like, Oh, I don't really know this or, Oh, my taste is so vanilla or this and that. I mean, everybody's welcome. You know what I mean? It's, it's far from an, it, it, for my money, at least, I mean, it's not an elitist thing at all. Cool. Well, it'd be nice that it's part of crazy days. Um, I think, I don't know if you'll get a, hmm, maybe a more varied crowd than you usually would just cause people are down there for other stuff as well. But it's, uh, it might get you some people that wouldn't necessarily come if it was just on its own at the brewery mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah people just kind of walk by and you know it, i i many times i've seen people who i end up talking to or they find out about the event and they go oh i'm gonna have to tell my and then they name whoever you know like my coworker or my nephew and then it, and then the, and that sentence is always finishes with like because they're into a lot of that weird stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, you are the sweetest aunt, grandma, mom, coworker ever. Thank yeah. you. Cause I have those coworkers too. who are like, I even have coworkers and friends who will be out yard sailing and it'll be like 7am on Saturday. And I know Marv knows I'm talking about him. Marv and Alex are my two main guys, but they'll be out on Saturday mornings and Marv will be like, you better have your phone by you. Cause if I'm at a yard sale and there's tapes, I need to know right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you have that resource. So many people, like you said, it's such a lonely endeavor where it's like, Oh, I got to do this all on my own. But that's cool that, uh, you got friends that are like, Hey, this thing is over here. If you want it. It, yes. It, and like, and that's absolutely the best thing. I mean, I've collected for so long and it, tends to be so solitary and I'm like, I'm not trying to run people off. Why doesn't anybody want to come watch Ernest scared stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, there's, there's no reason why anyone would not want to watch that classic. Film. I mean, yeah, totally classic or Tron or vampire hunter D or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just, 
So uh, now, I love I love that stuff. When's the the real next level collector stuff coming? When you get into that laser disc game, are you are you thinking about doing laser discs? Oh no, <laughs> no man, I no. They're you know just, what? I uh, I amassed some incredible laser discs over the years, and I even have a laser disc player. I have you do. I have That's Deer fantastic. Hunter. I have Deer Hunter. I have Jaws. I have um, Halloween. What else Ooh. do I have? I have a couple other just phenomenal laser discs. But that's awesome. I'm stoked on the Deer Hunter even now. You gotta, you gotta send me pictures of that Halloween because I am a huge fan of that movie, and that movie has like a million and one different releases. Yep. Um, and there, there are people who are who collect like every they set out to get every single one. Yeah. And, and like, basically I just got all of this, not necessarily all in one go, but pretty much. Um, I want to say it was either a yard sale or a Goodwill score. And whoever had all these laser discs just happened to have very good taste in movies. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I played the laser disc once and I, 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 that's it. Um, cause I'm it's afraid kind of a lot of work, I'm, isn't it? You got to get up and flip it over. Well, I'm afraid to ruin it more than anything, or I'm afraid for the time when I plug it in and turn it on that like doesn't really want to work anymore. So I just have it, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, there's, I mean, there's people who collect beta tapes, right. You, you know, yep. um, and they're they're very serious about it. I mean, and I I mean I get that impulse. I mean, if you'd have told me a year a year ago, I guess was I into tapes a year ago? No, I wasn't. If you told me a year ago, like yeah, you're gonna have a couple shelves full of VHS tapes, I'd be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna do that. The, sure. the resolution's terrible, and they're bulky and take up space, and da da da. And but they're fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're they so are. fun. Super nostalgic. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they're, I mean, they're, they're kind of cool art pieces in a, in a way, you know, the, I mean, I love Blu-ray quality, but buying those and owning them is not nearly as satisfying as, you know, I can't even read the spines from my couch, but I can read pretty much every one of my VHS tape spines. Right. Mm-hmm. And so many of them have you know, like an iconic logo or font or whatever it is just on the spine alone that catches your eye. And then you flip it over and look at the cover and you're like, Oh wow, that's crazy. That looks awesome. Now. I mean, you don't even typically have a tangible item. It's just something you stream and it's Mm -hmm. like a hamburger for McDonald's, like this cheap thing that you just buy and consume and like, ah, whatever. But back in those days it was like, you're invested Maybe you had an allowance. This is what you spent your money on. You mowed three lawns to get this thing. Exactly. Or like whether it was a CD or whatever. Like even if it was kind of shitty, you're like, ah, I'm going to watch this till I like it. Or I'm going to listen to this till <laughs> I like it. Right. But yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, and this is just kind of conjecture. It seems like physical media is a mass a mass produced thing is probably headed towards winding down. 
Mm-hmm. Um, although, man, I, I mean, the only place to really buy movies at this point in the Valley is Walmart, which oddly, I think with Walmart becoming one of the more made, still one of the major distributors of, of media, they have tons of, uh, like lower budget movies and cult movies <laughs> and that sort of thing. I always look at the movies when I go there. Yeah, I'll have to check it out um, next time I'm there. I just yeah, figured that most so of the stuff. Oh, I figured most of the stuff wouldn't pass their like sort of criteria of what. Yeah, I don't put think they show. have that anymore. Huh. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I mean, you, you know, it's weird. It's like, well, I want to look at vinyl and I want to look at movies. Where am I going? Oh, going to Walmart. You know. <laughs> It's, it's odd, but you know, they, I mean, gosh, Walmart a few months ago even had these exclusive, um, Metallica reissues <laughs> and, uh, Marv was telling me like, Oh yeah, you want to come look at these? And I happened to be in Clarkston. We went and I bought three of them. They're three of the best sounding records I have. And they got bet, bought up super fast across the U S mm-hmm. and I had to, I had to order kill them all twice retail price uh on discogs mm-hmm. yeah you know, and i believe I mean, the metallica is their own label now i think they even own the facility where they produce their vinyls too yep and that was that was part of yeah blackened um mm-hmm. they that was kind of part of it i i don't know the particulars i don't think that they were all i don't think they were like new remasters but i think it was you know where they were and they're colored Mm-hmm. too but they they did a phenomenal job on those things mm-hmm. you know and it's just so weird like i mean i guess i'll buy it where i can get it you know they have dvds and blu-rays of tons of exclusive shutter movies mm-hmm. you know i bought mandy on blu-ray for five bucks at walmart that is like, yeah. what universe is this this is so <laughs> weird but okay <laughs> This is the movie where Nicolas Cage takes LSD and has a chainsaw duel, and I'm buying it at Walmart. Yep. <laughs> That's one of my all-time faves, and I mean, definitely one of my faves from like the last 10 years for sure, but it's just, that I forget, what's that guy's name that directed, like he did that and like Beyond the Black Rainbow, and then um, he did another one too here recently. All those movies are fantastic. Super cool, psychedelic acidy fever trip horror movies that i just can't even believe exist and they're they're cool yeah Yeah, i definitely have to be in the mood but uh have you watched that same director's uh first movie beyond the black rainbow yeah i was just talking about that yeah that that movie's also phenomenal and then he just did another one too i can't remember i can't remember what the name of it was i actually haven't seen that third one but i'm i'm excited to watch it and I can't remember that dude's name. He's got a really weird foreign name. Yeah, pa- Panos Cosmatos. He's Greek. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he his dad directed uh, Rambo and Tombstone, among other things. Crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that is neat. Well, it's cool to hear that some of the proceeds. I can't remember how much you said was going to your friend, and that's a really yeah, all, nice thing all to the, see all the table registration fees are going to Anthony and, and, and we'll, we will certainly, um, if, if anyone listens to this and knows Anthony or just wants to, uh, donate, he has a GoFundMe as well. I can get you a link for yeah, that. Get us the link yeah. to that. And we'll post that, uh, in the episode description along with the link to the swap, but absolutely. It's a really nice thing to see just the community once again, coming together and helping someone out. Mm-hmm feels good it feels really good to yeah to see things 
creeping back to whatever it is we're going to, whatever we, whatever it is we live in now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also feels good. Chuck Mangione record. I'll take, I'll take that if I can find it at the swap. <laughs> I'd take it. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess it feels so good. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I can't wait to go to the swap. I think it's going to be fun. Um, June 12th, 10 to 3, downtown Lewiston. We'll be there. Yep. We'll be, we'll be right outside of Times Square. Cool. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to remind listeners again to check out your column, Colt Corner. Um, lots of fun reads there. And I'm sure you can check out the backlog of that. If you, uh, if you have a subscription to the Tribune, you can probably find that online, I'm assuming. Um, um, they're, they're all on inland360.com for free. I believe actually free no, even. no tribune, resp- uh, subscription, re- subscription. Thank you. Yeah. Subscription required. How about that? Awesome. Well, thank you, Will. Thanks for coming back for round three. We'll have to figure Thanks out, for having uh, me. figure out another, another reason for you to come back in the future. You bet. I'm I'm always happy to talk about the things that nobody else wants to listen to me talk about. <laughs> well, we do, and hopefully some of our listeners enjoyed it too. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber head over to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening.